Welcome to the Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, April 26th. It has already been both a busy and delightful week on this podcast. Of course, it's always a pleasure to be joined by guests the quality and caliber of David Kane and Gil Gross. And with each of those guests, we explored where things currently stand on both the ATP and WTA tours. Now, of course, as every tennis follower knows, the tennis world never sleeps. And as such, we, of course, have another 1,000-level event featuring just about every top WTA and ATP player in the world in Madrid this week. On today's show, I want to set the scene for that Madrid action, break down both the men's and women's singles draws, offer my thoughts on the matches we've already seen unfold. It's going to be an efficient but exciting episode for all of you listeners today as again all of us turn our attention towards that action in Madrid of course the reason we're able to talk about where things stand day in day out in the tennis world here on this show is because of the support we get from all of you tennis fans who turn to us day in day out for all of your tennis information for what it's worth if you're looking for info on action not just happening on the ATP and WTA tours but action happening at the collegiate level, action happening at the challenger level. We've got that for you here at Crack Rackets as well. I would point all of you mini break listeners to our other podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, the Cracked Interviews Podcast feed. We break down all the Division I men's and women's college action each and every week on the GSP. So if you're looking for the next Ben Shelton, the next Cam Norrie, the next Danielle Collins, the next Jennifer Brady, we talk about each and every one of those players each and every week over on the GSP, of course, over on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. I've been so fortunate to speak with players like Peyton Stearns, Emil Rusevori, Michael Emer, NC State women's head coach Simon Earnshaw, who, of course, has worked all season long with WTA Top 100 player Diana Schneider. We've had a lot of great conversations of late. I know all of you listeners certainly, I don't know, hour-long episodes. That's probably enough tennis talk for one day here, typically on our mini-break podcast shows. But should you feel the need to expand your tennis interests, maybe dip your toes into a different level of the tennis world, rest assured we can help you do that here at Cracked Rackets. Like, rate, subscribe, review, not just to this show, but to the GSP, the Cracked Interviews podcast feeds, to ensure you don't miss out on anything happening in the tennis world. Of course, you can find all of those podcasts wherever you listen to your shows or on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, a shout out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point for their support of this mini break podcast feed for all of the greatest equipment at all of the best prices. Just go to Tennis-Point.com today. You'll find everything you're looking for. Make sure you use our promo code CR15 at checkout to let them know that we sent you there. tennis Point.com. The promo code is CR15. All right, it's time for Madrid. Let me offer my thoughts on what I expect to see unfold. Offer my thoughts on the most interesting matchups, interesting sections throughout the course of the women's and men's singles draws. Starting on the women's side of things, look, it's Iga Sviantec's world on these clay courts. Iga hasn't lost a relevant clay court match in over a season. She looked downright dominant 
in Stuttgart. And I know we had that conversation on Monday with David Kane, but I think that's the biggest storyline on the WTA Tour. Can anyone catch Iga Swiatek on this surface? Certainly, Arena Sabalenka flashed the ability to be in the ball game, to be in the ballpark, to have the sort of weapons can, that can certainly disrupt Shviantek's rhythm. Now, Shviantek's physicality ultimately won out in that match, and to Iga's credit, she was more than capable of keeping pace. She was better on serve than Sabalenka in that final, going unbroken in that match. I'm not going to do a complete recap of Iga Swiatek, the hit list on clay. Obviously, she's a two-time French Open champion. Again, she went undefeated during all of the relevant portions of 2022's WTA clay court season. I know I mentioned this statistic on Monday with DK, but I think the magnitude of the statistic makes it worth repeating once again in her career. And again, Iga turns 22 years old at the end of May, 51-7. and seven in her career at the WTA Tour level on clay court. She's already, of course, reached uh, the final at seven different events. She's won her last six finals. She has two Roland Garros titles, two Stuttgart titles, two Rome titles. Obviously, hasn't won the title in Madrid. Now, she didn't play this event in Madrid last season, and one of the big storylines certainly is the fact that Anjabur will not be defending her title. Jabur losing a thousand points drops three spots in the ranking. She's at number seven. Now, of course, she's got a final in Rome to defend as well. Could be a precipitous decline for Anjabur. And I know we talked about that a little bit with DK on Monday as well, but Storyline number one is, can anyone catch Iga? And you look at Iga's section of the draw. She's, according to Tennis Abstract, a 44.6% favorite to win the title. I've said this before. I'll say it again. As a student of the Tennis Abstract singles forecast, anytime a player is over 35%, let alone 40, 44, this early in the event, it means they're a prohibitive favorite. The track record on clay courts, 51-7 and seven overall, speaks to why. And I think it's 18-1 and one now in her last 52 weeks or whatever it is. And again, I throw out the one in Garcia because she plays the event in Warsaw because it's on her home soil. Obviously, given the amount of tennis she had on her body at that point of the season, I don't know if it was the smartest scheduling decision. Thus, I throw out that loss. I don't hold it against her. The physicality, the weaponry, the fluidity the creativity, the angles she's able to generate. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how the power of Julia Grabert, who I think moves pretty well on this surface, matches up with Iga. But does she hit a ball dynamic enough to hurt Iga? No. So I expect Iga to cruise into the round of 32. You look at the first seed she'll face in her section, and let's not forget these expanded Masters draw now seed 32 players, and each of those seeds get a bye. You know, you look in her immediate section, uh, first seed Ego would play would be the lefty Bernardo Pera, who hits a good ball, but again, I don't know if she's going to be able to reproduce that ball consistently enough, nor be on her front foot uh, with enough consistency to hurt Ega. 
that feels like a pretty comfortable couple of matches for Iga to work her way in. Now, of course, I would love to see a rematch with a Jung Chin Wen in the round of 16. Chin Wen in the same section as Alexandrova. Actually, Chin Wen going to have a fun first match against the big hitting Katie McNally, who earned a very impressive three-set win over former world junior number one Delma Galfi in round one. You look for McNally. She's up to number 62 in the world. Very quietly, the serve, the first forehand, the weaponry, the powerful first step. The confidence, the aggression of Katie McNally. Shout out to her because obviously, with the double success of Mikoko, you know, Coco Goff not just having that double success, she's off to the races in singles as well. Took McNally slightly longer to build up her rankings, but build up her singles ranking. But 21 years old, she's in the top 75 with these expanded 1000 level draws. She's going to get to pick her schedule. Moving forward, Katie McNally's in the ball game now. It's going to be fun first strike tennis between her and Chin Wen. Yes, I think Chin Wen's more dynamic, but man, I'm excited for that one. Anyways, a couple of big hitters, right? Chin Wen, McNally, you've got Alexandrova in this section as well. Uh, of course, you look beyond that in the quarter. You've got Rabakina, you've got Krejcikova, potentially Bianca Andreescu. We'll see how healthy she is down the line. The Iga section is fascinating. Now, I think it's going to take a couple of, you know, again, it's not fascinating till next week when she starts to work her way towards that Chin Wen, Krejcikova section of the draw. But how healthy is Andrescu? Again, Krejcikova back on the clay courts, 2021 French Open champion. She was not healthy during the course of last year's clay court season, has no points to defend. And for Krejcikova, who's currently sitting at number 12, she, you know, should she hypothetically win this event? Now she's back in the top 10 up to number nine. Is there a scenario where, I, you know, again, I would love to see Krejcikova in the quarterfinals take on Sviantek on this surface in particular, because obviously Krejcikova's gotten Iga in their last two finals. Those two finals have been on hard courts, clay court, Iga, a different beast entirely. It's going to be tough for Krejcikova to get there again. Seeds I would not enjoy to face, uh, facing would certainly be Andrescu, Petra Martic, that left-handed, or that, excuse me, that one-handed slice, the angles she finds, the pressure she puts you under on this surface, and then obviously the big serving Elena Rabakina. It's a fun quarter of the draw. Uh, again, I would, I probably enjoy that Iga section more than any other section of this draw. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to have the most parity in it because, again, Iga Sviantek is in the section. But I really like that Iga quarter headlined, of course, again, by her Elena Rabakina. Uh, you've got 11-seeded Barbara Krejcikova and then Ekaterina Alexandrova and Drescu. Chinwen, Martic, and Bernarda Pera rounding out your seeds there. Again, moving through to quarter number two, that, of course, is the section, I believe, and I don't want to get this incorrect, so I apologize, but I believe that's the section of number four, uh, excuse me, third-seeded Jessica Pagula. Look, we didn't see Pagula in Stuttgart, but obviously last year was exceptional on the clay courts, and I see no reason to think why this season would be any different. She looked pretty good in Charleston. Now Red Clay is another beast entirely. But, you know, Pagula right now, one of 13 players to rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage. Again, continues to just rack up quarterfinal after quarterfinal. You look at the seeds in her section, you know, who's most dangerous? You'd say Daria Kasakina normally last year's French Open semifinalist, but she just has played so poorly 
to start this 2023 season. Not that she's played so poorly. She's just been on the wrong end of so many tight decisions. And again, that creativity losing out to the weaponry we see for so many of these young or rising players right now, thriving players, I should really say, on the WTA Tour. Yes, that's one seed in this section. Obviously, Kuder Matova, who was just a quarterfinalist specialist last year, you know, those are two 2022 players chasing. You know, obviously, they've got a ton of points to defend, banked in just about every portion of the calendar. You look for Kuder Matova. She's currently sitting at 13 in the live rankings. Kasakin is currently sitting at 8, but, you know, got a lot of French Open points coming up for her to defend. I don't think either of those two higher seeds are the most dangerous two-thirds seeded Jessica Pagula looking in this section for me. Certainly 21st seeded Anastasia Potapova coming off of a semifinal in Stuttgart, coming off of her sunshine swing. She's the 21 seed here. She faced the winner of Stevenson Christian in round number one. That could be fascinating. But again, who wouldn't want a Pagula-Potapova rematch after what we saw between the two of them in Miami? That would be my projected quarterfinal just because, again, Teichman, Kasakina, Kudermatova, the other seeds in this section— I thought, Pavl- just to mix in some round one observations, I suppose, with this draw preview, boy, was it fun watching the lefty 17-year-old Victoria jimenez Seva 7-6 in the third. I mean, she had match point on former French, what, 2021 French Open finalist Anastasia Pavlachenkova, who I know is still working her way back into form. Pavlachenkova with an electric down-the-line forehand winner to fight off the match point at 8-7 in the third set breaker. I mean, but credit to Jimenez Kassenseva, uh, excuse me. She came out way too tentative, drops that first set 6-1. Then she started swinging. Then she realized, okay, why is this tennis match different than any other tennis match? Just because I'm playing a former French Open finalist, lefty has firepower. God, does she turn into her backhand beautifully. Yes, that forehand sits up a little bit, but she moves comfortably on the clay. Powerful first step. Thought she slid into her ball. I like how well she gets outside the ball, although I do worry about her forehand on a quicker surface. Just that backswing's a little funky, but again, how well she drives through things on the backhand, how explosive she was turning into her serve, the lefty serve on top of it as well. Keep an eye on Victoria jimenez Casenseva, who right now you look at the WTA ranking, 17-year-old. Oh, my God. She was born August 2005. It's terrifying. She's currently 175 in the world. She won a 25K in Boca at the start of March. Again, played a really fun match with Pavlachenkova. I'm telling you, it's a name to keep your eyes on. Pavlachenkova could absolutely beat Kasekina, though. That's going to be an interesting matchup. Look for an upset alert there. Uh, obviously huge for Alicia Parks to get any sort of win in round number one. She's in this section of the draw. She gets uh, a first-round win, 6-2 in the third over Schmidlova. Just, again, needed to get the win uh, for Alicia Parks, which I believe it broke what a— Yeah, you look for Alicia Parks. Since winning the title in Lyon, she had lost nine of her last 11 matches. Much-needed win over Schmidlova. First uh, main draw victory for her since Merida uh, at the end of February. Again, it's free points for her, considering it's a WTA 1,000-level event. Free points. It's, I'm saying added points to her resume. She'll take whatever she can get. You look for Alicia Parks now. That big serve going up against Victoria Azarenka. Azarenka, one of just five players, excuse me, six players to rank top 20 in both hold and break percentage this year. 
When she's looked good, she's looked really good. A Pagula-Azarenka rematch wouldn't be too snazzy either. Uh, last thought on this section of the draws, just because I watched the match. Svitolina's playing well. She's moving well. I like the depth of her ground strokes. It just, you know, it took Svitolina about half an hour to be like, oh, wait, take the ball a little bit earlier. You can't just let Sasnovich dictate from the center of the court. And credit to Sasnovich, who was taking every backhand on the rise, who was changing direction extraordinarily well, who kept the pressure on Svitolina even after Svitolina went up an early break in set number two. Svitolina's moving well. When she convinced herself to play aggressively, she still had that gear to her. Now, you can tell it's a little bit more difficult for her to replicate that aggression with ease the way she could prior to having a child, which completely understandable. It might take a second to get that gear back. But I liked what I saw from Svitolina. I think there's still top 25 tennis in her because, again, how well she moves, how well she fights. I'm still in on, on Svitolina. Do I think she's going to win a Grand Slam? No. Do I think she still has very good and relevant tennis in her? Absolutely. And so tough loss to Sasnovich, but I thought it was a really high level for Svitolina. Again, continuing to work her way back into the game. Good win for Bouchard, I suppose, over Yastremska. She'll take on Trevisan, who, of course, will be happy to be back on the dirt, looking to capitalize on her really strong form to start 2023. But if you're asking me again, pretty plain quarterfinal hit pick here. I'll take Pagula. Uh, versus Potapova. I'll take Pagula to win the matchup. I'll go Iga Pagula in the semis on this top half of the draw. I'll take Iga to make the final. Going to go through the bottom half of the draw quicker. I promise, folks. You look at this bottom half of the draw. Third-seeded uh, player was on Jabur. Now she pulls out of the draw. Shelby Rogers takes her place as a 33 seed. That leaves Coco Goff. As the highest seeded player in this draw. Goff, again, one of six players to rank top 20 in both hold and break percentage this season. She'll take, uh, she'll start her qualify, uh, event. Let's try that again against the qualifier, Irene Barrio Escorjuela. Don't have a big scouting report on her. I'd be lying if I said I did, but I'd be very much looking forward to potential round of 32 between Goff and an informed Paula Bedosa who's moving better. She's going to have a fun matchup round number one against the always dangerous big hitting Italian Elisabetta Cocciaretto, but Bedosa, again, I test-wise, Bedosa looks back. I know the ranking's not where it was, but I think the level of play is. And again, it's an open section of the draw. Goff, Bedosa, Vekic, all playing well to start this season. Sakari has played fine, I think, to start this season. She's one of 13 players to rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage. I talked on Monday with DK. I think Yelena Ostapenko's best is better than it's ever been, even if it remains as streaky as ever. And then, of course, you've got the dark horses. Karolina Mukova, unseated. In this draw, she's in what would have been that Anjabur immediate section, but dominant 2-2 two and two over Annette Conteve. I don't think Conteve played poorly. Mukova's just so springy, so fluid on this surface, so aggressive, and again, changes direction so well. I know those are all platitudes, but absolutely Mukova can make the quarterfinals in this section. And then again, with Bedosa, Goff, Sakri, Vekic potentially all beating up on one another... Is this where I pick the surprise semifinalist, Karolina Mukova, who, of course, has played really good tennis this season? Now I know the 26-year-old sitting at 51 in the rankings. Am I going to be bold here? I'm going to be bold. Give me Mukova to beat Coco Goff 
in the quarterfinals. I'll take a Mukova semifinalist and then your last quarter of the draw. Again, Garcia, Sabalenka, your top two seeds. I would love to watch. You know, I think Kami Osorio versus Kostyuk, round number one. And let's not forget, Kostyuk made a fourth round at the French Open not that long ago. Kami Osorio, I think a former junior French Open champion, but certainly has made tour-level finals on clay in her career already. Gets a good first-round win over Clara Burrell. That's a really fun round of 64 match. Adan Maya in this section. Von Drosova, always dangerous, is the former 2019 French Open finalist on the clay. She continues to get healthier. She qualifies, wins her first-round match. She's back up to number 68 in the live rankings. Petra Kvitova, Miami Open champions in this section of the draw. I thought we saw a really good win uh, in round number one, excuse me, from uh, the 15-year-old Mira Andriva, who... Blew the doors off of Layla Fernandez. Boy, was that impressive. Now, I want to watch more before I disingenuously try to give you all a scouting report because it's one match, and I got to do my homework. I don't feel prepared to go there yet. I'll take Sabalenka. See, it's interesting because, like, Vondrosova, Kostyuk, Sabalenka are all in the same immediate section. Or 16th, I suppose. Mmm... Yeah, I'm going to be playing. I'm going to go Sabalenka-Garcia, Sabalenka to advance over Mukova. I'm going to be very boring. Let's do number one versus number two again. I know it hadn't happened since 2021. Let's have it happen back-to-back weeks. I'll go Iga versus Sabalenka in the final because I do think those two's best are, especially on this surface until I see it from Rabakina, better than everyone else's. So I'll go Sviantek versus Sabalenka. I'll take Sviantek again to capture the title. Those are my initial thoughts on that draw in Madrid, and again, right now, Iga Sviantek, 44.6% favorite to win the event. Arena Sabalenka, 10.5%. That's your second biggest favorite, uh, second closest favorite, excuse me, next closest. You'd have to go all the way to the 5.9% of Jessica Pagula. So yeah, Iga, lopsided favorite, then Sabalenka, then Pagula, even Elena Rabakina, just because she is in that quarter of the draw with Iga. She's at 4.6. Tennis Abstract sees what we all see with our eyes. It's Iga. It's Sabalenka. It's everyone else. That's your look at the women's field, a women's singles draw, excuse me, in Madrid. Now, for what it's worth, top 25 clubs, which are pretty big right now, heading into Madrid Iga, the only player to rank top 10 in both hold and break percentage. Krachikova, top 15 in both hold and break percentage. That matches what our eyes see, even if the results have her constantly losing in round of 16s to Arena Sabalenka. Speaking of which, top 20 club, Sabalenka, Goff. And then Azarenka and Keys. Keys makes sense. Her best was that good in January in Australia. And again, I think Azarenka, when she's played well, she's played really well this season. It's just, it's there have been a few duds, a few surprising losses mixed in. Also, big top 26 club. And again, this means you're a lead at one thing, but maybe struggle at the other. I think this makes sense. We have a bunch of players who are playing well right now, right? Like, Belinda Bencic is playing well. Makes sense that statistically she's in this mix. Paula Bedosa playing well. She's in this mix. Vekic playing well. Pliskova playing well. Pagula playing well. Kostyuk playing pretty well. I know the Austin runs the big run, but I think she's played well this season. Then Maria Sakari's been fine. Like, it's a big group, 
But it makes sense because there are a bunch of players playing right now in the women's game. We talk about it every week. The women's game is in a very healthy place. And I think the statistics reflect that fact. So, again, that's your women's draw preview. That's where th- things stand in Madrid. Now, let's flip gears. Look over on the men's side. I know we're around – not around behind, but it's a staggered start. Women started first, so we're halfway through round one on the men's side. In a way, I believe we're fully complete with round number one on the women's side. Top quarter of the draw, Carlos Alcaraz, number one seed. Obviously, no Novak Djokovic in this event this week. No uh, Yannick Sinner, I believe, in this event this week either. Sinner pulling out of Madrid, I believe, with injury. You look elsewhere, I think just about every—nope, no Rafa, of course. No Berrettini, no Kyrgios, no Chilich. Other than that, you have every player inside the top 37 and every player inside the top 42. So what, five, six absences? Other than that, 36? of the top 42 players in the world. And, you know, you can keep going beyond that if you want to continue to look here at the draw here in the first round. And I think it's a really fun first match for Carlos Alcaraz taking on the weapons of Emil Rusevori. Now, again, is Rusevori fluid enough to deal with that weaponry that Alcaraz possesses? I don't think so over the course of two and a half hours, but Rusevori certainly has some weapons of his own to dictate with and will be more than comfortable going to forehand, forehand, uh, trading pace, trading, trading depth on that backhand wing as well, trading blows uh, from the ground. Now, again, I think physically Alcaraz separates himself, but I do think there are going to be plenty of moments of brilliance, as there are in every Carlos Alcaraz match. But Rusevori has the firepower to make that one fun from the baseline, even if I do think Alcaraz ultimately runs away from there. Now, of course, this section of the draw is fascinating for all sorts of reasons. You've got Monte Carlo champion Andre Rublev in it. How real is his success of late? I'll tell you what. He makes another semifinal run, beats an Alcaraz to get there. Now maybe you do have to reevaluate what the immediate ceiling is for Andre Rublev moving forward. Of course, you've got a guy in Karen Hatchinov, one of four players to rank top 15 in both hold and break percentage. He's the 10 seed in this section of the draw. You've got the return of Sebi Korda, who looked like one of the 10 best players in the world, win healthy in the month of January. Now we haven't seen him since, but he's here. Alex Zverev. In this section of the draw, RBA in this section of the draw, tricky guys like Alex Molchan, Quinton Halise, of course, you had Stan Wawrinka, the three-set win over Max Cressy. He'll now take on Rublev. If you like firepower, that's one for you. It's a fun section. You just don't know, you know, Dimitrov. It would be that much more fun if you knew Korda Zverev were 100% healthy and playing their best tennis. Now, because they don't, you probably favor Alcaraz, particularly just given how much tennis Rublev's put on his body. Monte Carlo title, the final in Banya Luka last week. Again, if he makes a semifinal run, even a quarterfinal run would be impressive. Semifinal run, he beats an Alcaraz or a Zverev, let's say, at that point, or a Korda, you know, if he's healthy and fully back in that quarterfinal round. I think that's the thing you watch for most in this section that said, like everyone, I'll take Carlos Alcaraz to get to the semifinals. You look at the Casper Rude quarter of the draw. Rude, Runa, collision course, quarterfinals. We all want it. I mean, will Rude be able to get there? He takes on the rising Matteo Arnaldi, the talented young Italian, who, of course, we spoke to on the Cracked Interviews podcast not too long ago. 
Greeks who are playing some really good tennis. Again, that's a tough out physically. That'd be a fun matchup between he and Rude, a potential round of 32 battle. You've got Musetti in this section of the draw. Carreño Busta, how healthy is he? How healthy is Chorich? Again, the wild cards, Davidovich, Fokina, and Hurkats. You know, it takes three sets to beat Hoopy. I don't care what the surface is. That's just the man he is. And so, again, his serve is always a neutralizing thing. Look, Davidovich Fokina versus Runa, that's a lot of athleticism, a lot of firepower, a lot of personality on the court. That's a potential round of 32 battle. Davidovich Fokina absolutely has the gumption and the game to go win that match. Holger Runa, of course, you know, again, title in Munich last week, final in Monte Carlo the week prior, had some shoulder issues last week. How healthy is he? Yes, he's had a bunch of days off. You know, he's not going to start till what, Thursday or Friday? in this event, so he should be healthy and ready to go, but it's a fun section of the draw. Runa's playing better than, or as well as just about anyone right now on the clay courts. Do I think Davidovich Fokina can get him? Yes. Could I see Davidovich Fokina beating him and then losing the next match to Hercons? Yes. I don't know if I have a prediction for this section. Like, what if Musetti plays well? What if Yannick Hanfman gets hot now? That one's just for the diehards. I'll go Casper versus... I mean, it's it's not all going to go chalk, right? I'll I'll just take Runa to get to the, out of the section. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm really hoping for the Runa Alcaraz matchup in the semifinals that would be projected in this draw. So I'll take Runa to advance. That's certainly what my eyes are saying, even if my instincts say otherwise. You look at the next quarter, the Stefano Tsitsipas section hasn't gotten underway. Very very fun. Tsitsipas, Felix, Tiafo, Tommy, Baez, Sarundolo. And then you just throw in guys like Shelton and Evans in this section as well. You've got Dusan Lajevic coming off of a Banya Luka title. He could be the first match for Felix here in Madrid. You've got the talented lefty Abdullah Shelby doesn't play for the University of Florida last year. Seventh guy on the roster. Now he's top 300 in the world. You know, he's going to play Kashin round one. Then could be a fun matchup versus Sarundolo. Nicolas Yari, the big serving Chilean. You know, Clay at altitude, boy, is he going to have a good, you know, potential monster week. He'll take on potentially, well, he'll take on Safil in round one. He wins that. Him versus Tommy would be a really fun match. I think Baez versus Borges would be really fun. And then, of course, you've got wildcard Dominic Team, who faces Kyle Edmund round one. He wins that. He'll face Tsitsipas round two. Yeah, buckle up, folks. Could be a very fun section of the draw. I know Tommy struggled to start. I think Tommy has a big week. I think Tommy gets to at least the quarterfinals. No, at least, excuse me, the round of 16. Yeah, I'll take Tommy to the quarters. I'll take Tommy to the semis. Yeah, that's I'm going to get frisky this week. Let's go Tommy to the semis. Let's have him beat a rejuvenated Francis Tiafo in the quarters as well. Let's keep that theme. The American men, a reminder that their success is going to translate across surfaces this week. It's a bold prediction, perhaps my boldest thus far. That's what I'm going to go with. The Medvedev section is going to get funky. I mean, you've got Medvedev's your two seed. Fritz is your eight seed. Both have gotten better on clay. Neither would be accused of being clay court experts. 
Kesmanovic, your 27 seed. He's played well of late. Christian Green, unseeded, could absolutely beat both a Kesmanovic and a Fritz to make a round of 16. Nori struggled of late. Shapovalov struggled of late. Feels like both of them are due. Lachetchka's forehand might be the biggest weapon in this section. You've got unseeded guys like Karatsev, Murray. You know, again, people who can make life interesting. I said my hot take coming into the clay court season was I think Medvedev's going to have a big clay court year. So give me Medvedev to get to the semifinals because why not? Am I going to go an Alcaraz-Tommy final? Why not? Let's have some fun. I'll go Alcaraz-Tommy in the final. I'll take Alcaraz over Tommy to win the event. But again, too early. I got to watch everyone play before I can get a full sense of where things stand in Madrid. That said, that's your preview of the action I expect to unfold over the course of the next 10 days. Of course, we will be back tomorrow to break down all of the action. And we will keep our eye on Madrid over the course of the next two weeks here on this mini break podcast cast feed of course as i alluded to at the intro though if you're looking for other things right now happening in the tennis world we've got you covered head on over great shot podcast feed cracked interviews podcast feed is the place for you of course a shout out as always to our super producer daniel westoff for the of an editing job he does day in day out making all of this content possible a shout out as well to our dear friends at tennis point remember it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.